0: Merry Christmas. This is Dale Johnson. Sit back and enjoy part two of my encore conversation on Lincoln Live. music for you from the mind of Vince Garaldi. The book is Vince Garaldi at the Piano. The author is Derek Bang, my guest on Lincoln Live today. If you missed the first portion of the conversation and the music included, go to our website. It's kfornow.com. Listen to this conversation and many other interesting conversations every day, Monday through Friday, right here at KFOR. It's KFORnow.com. Vince Guaraldi went on to compose scores for 17 Peanuts television specials, plus the feature film A Boy Named Charlie Brown, as well as the unaired television program of the same name. But uh, take us back to his home, the San Francisco area, and help us realize just how amazingly popular this man was back in the 60s.
1: Well, at the point in time, right around the time he would have been contacted by Mendelssohn, that would have been late 1963, Geraldi had just begun his musically jazz-oriented relationship with Brazilian jazz guitarist Bola Sete. So it was essentially the Guraldi Sete Quartet for a couple of years, although Geraldi never referred to it that way. He always kept himself top-billed. And it is difficult to imagine these days how popular that unit was. They released three albums on Fantasy, all of which sold very well. More critically, however, when they performed locally, uh, most famously at the El Matador Club in San Francisco, they'd be booked in for two or three weeks. And in those days, a gig was six days a week, two or three shows a night for two or three weeks. They had lines wrapped around the building every single night. They were the it kids for almost two years. There were columnists in the local papers, the San Francisco Chronicle in particular, who would be running these little blurbs, held over for another week, held over for two more weeks. It was just astonishing. They were incredibly popular.
0: And he was so diverse because not only would he appeal to uh, a live audience. And I, I think you will agree there is a, there is a, an electricity, a, a, an energy that comes from live music that maybe is lost a little bit on television specials or on an album, but he was popular in that way. And yet he also appealed to people to the point where he performed, you say, church masses?
1: indeed again at the same time that he was working on the peanuts music at the same time that he was doing all of those popular gigs with bolacete he had been approached by bishop james pike and reverend charles Gompertz to compose a jazz mass to help celebrate the unveiling of san francisco's new grace cathedral Now, this was massive you need to understand that on the day that Garaldi and his trio and the enormous St. Paul's Church Choir debuted Garaldi's Jazz Mass at Grace Cathedral on May 21st, 1965, which notices roughly half a year before a Charlie Brown Christmas debuted that subsequent December, it was the first time that jazz music had been presented and performed during a church service in the entire United States. He broke that barrier up until that point in time, and you think, you know, 60s, you know, the time of progress, but even so, jazz hadn't been heard in the church before. It was considered the devil's music, and you don't bring the devil's music into a house of worship. Geraldi broke that ground, and I've always been frustrated by the fact that he never gets sufficient credit for having done that. Because when you think about early church masses, everybody naturally goes to Duke Ellington's appearance at Grace Cathedral, which happened the same year, but it was later that summer. Garaldi got there first. So think about the dichotomy here. Simultaneously, Geraldi is composing music for Charlie Brown and for God.
0: Vince Garaldi at the piano is the name of the book. Derek Bang is the author. He's my guest on Lincoln Live today. There were lyrics written for some of Giraldi's songs. Talk about one that had to be altered. And this, this was a song written by Giraldi, lyrics by Mendelssohn. And then you have Charles Schultz stepping in. Talk Talk about this situation.
1: Well, for the original very first show that was to have introduced the animated peanuts characters to tv viewers this was a documentary sort of a day in the life type documentary that mendelssohn and schultz put together that followed schultz during an average day in his career taking his kids to school spending time in the studio doing up a new strip there was a little bit of animated footage included in this done by animator bill melendez and giraldi wrote the music for this little documentary, and this is where his primary Peanuts theme, Linus and Lucy and a few others, were first scheduled to have been presented to TV viewers. Now, the problem is, after completing that documentary, Mendelssohn was not able to sell it to any of the TV networks of the day, ABC, CBS, or NBC, so it never aired. And it wasn't until 2002, when the Charles M. Schultz Museum decided to re-release it on DVD that people finally had the opportunity to see it. And toward the beginning of that show, you'll hear a little ditty called Oh, Good Grief, which generally is heard as an instrumental by Giraldi. And people who watch this DVD are very surprised to discover that that song was given lyrics. Mendelssohn wrote the lyrics, and when Charles M. Schultz first heard them, he was a little surprised because he thought they were kind of mean. Oh, good grief, poor Charlie Brown, he's a wishy-washy dope. Well, Schultz may have thought they were too mean, but Mendelssohn was the director and the producer, and he apparently won that argument, because the lyrics stayed.
0: Vince Guaraldi only lived to be 47, as you pointed out. He died on February 6th of 1976. Tell us about That time in his life, uh, because the evening before, he had had dined at Mendelssohn's home, reportedly not feeling very well, complaining of some indigestion, chest-like discomfort. Doctor told him there was nothing wrong, but there obviously was something wrong.
1: It's so tragic. It's difficult to go back in time, and it's very easy to be an armchair quarterback with situations like this. But there is every indication during the last couple of weeks of his life that Garaldi was not feeling very well, probably should have more aggressively investigated what the situation was. And sadly, the one doctor he did see did not detect what prompted the heart attack that, in fact, claimed Garaldi's life in between sets at Butterfields, where he had been enjoying a steady gig for several years at that point you know i don't know it, it's it's kind of like jim henson right yeah. these these artists who are so consumed by the work they're doing that they can't be bothered to worry about themselves in any manner other than producing the art itself and throughout his entire career giraldi had always been totally focused on music whether he was in the studio obsessively working out the time stamps and signatures for just the right piece of music for an upcoming peanut special or knocking off an album or what he loved to do most which was play in front of people you talked a moment ago about the electricity that you get from a live performance he was all about that he loved the dynamic that you got in a club or a performance hall or a winery, or even somebody's living room. If Garaldi was there and a piano was in the room, he'd be at it, he was not one of these guys who had to be coached into performing for people. He loved it, he ate it, lived it, breathed it, it was clearly his life.
0: Now, Garaldi was at his, in his hotel room with his drummer, they were relaxing a bit before the next set, he got up, walked across the room, and just collapsed.
1: Yeah, he just keeled over, and and that was it, I mean, I suppose from his point of view, there's no better way to go, right? Up to the last second, practically, he'd been doing what he loved to do most, and it was over so fast that he probably never knew what hit him.
0: Now, earlier that Uh, afternoon, it's ironic that earlier that afternoon, he wrote his last Charlie Brown soundtrack, It's Arbor Day Charlie Brown.
1: Right. He had been in the studio that day laying down the final tracks for It's Arbor Day Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's very true.
0: I found a lot of music from Vince Giraldi. Peppermint Patty is out there. Joe Cool, Of course, all the music from A Charlie Brown Christmas, which people are being reintroduced to this month because it's the 50th anniversary of A Charlie Brown Christmas. Derek, thank you very much. How can people get a hold of your book as a Christmas gift?
1: The book is available directly from the publisher, McFarland Press, or easily available through Amazon, at uh, either in a traditional... Hard copy or as an e book. And of course, we shouldn't overlook the fact that the soundtrack album to A Charlie Brown Christmas has been reissued by Concord Records this year, remastered with some bonus tracks. And if there are any vinyl fans out there, I'm definitely one of those. Uh, you'll want to check out the vinyl editions that have been released. And depending on where you buy it, you'll find that the vinyl comes in different colors, which harkens back to. Fantasy Records' early 1950s and 60s practice of releasing their LPs on colored vinyl, generally blue or red, depending on whether the release was monaural or stereo.
0: Buy the book and buy some Vince Guaraldi music. It's all good for the holidays. Derek, thank you very much for your time and for the book.
1: Hey, I've had a great time. I never miss an opportunity to chat about my favorite musician.